This is On The Left Side, the funny football show. This is a very special edition of On The Left Side. Ahead of the World Cup, in Russia we've teamed up with some other football podcasts to provide a full rundown of every single team in the 2018 finals as part of the Tactics FC Podcast World Cup. This is our show and it's all about the host nation of Russia. So over the next few minutes, I'll be making sure that you have everything that you need ahead of the tournament in a comprehensive guide to the host nation. Now, when I say comprehensive guide, I actually mean some tenuously connected stories that I found funny over the last few weeks and probably a fair bit of casual racism. And by casual racism, I mean funny accents and stuff rather than the actual kind of racism that's been thrown in the direction of Raheem Sterling by the national press over the last few weeks as he cops a whole load of flack for everything from having breakfast to going on holiday. The latest anti-Rahim press has been surrounding his choice of tattoo, an assault rifle on his right leg, a reminder of his anti-gun stance born from the gun-related death of his father when he was younger, or as Piers Morgan, bastion of all that's righteous and good says, a clear way to encourage young black teenagers into a life of gun crime. If that really is the case, Piers, then surely any kind of gun iconography needs to be got rid of out of the game. An idea that was echoed by George Galloway on talk radio this week. Piers Morgan, when he's at his slimmest, can often be found wearing an Arsenal football top, whose logo is a gun. The Gunners, Piers. The Gunners. The team you support, the Gunners, with a big gun in their logo. You know you're on dodgy ground when George Galloway, a man who once pretended to be a creepy cat on Celebrity Big Brother, is scoring points off you. Now would you like me to be the cat? Yes, please. If you ask me, the press and Pierce are going after the wrong Manchester City player. If they want to pick on anyone, then surely youth team keeper Angus Gunn. He should be the one under fire. No pun intended. Maybe the British press are just preparing Raheem for the undoubted racial abuse from the stands that will no doubt be a mark of this summer's tournament. Even the Russian national team have just been fined £22,000 for fans' racist chanting in their friendly against France earlier this year. That's £60,000 less than Nicholas Bentner got for flashing his sponsored pants at Euro 2012, by the way. But, you know, I'm sure the Russian coach was completely right when he said that racism wasn't an issue in Russian football. As long as you don't mind the abuse being thrown at Liverpool youth player Bobby Adekanye in their game against Spartak Moscow, and don't mind the football club in Vladivostok who recently said they'd never sign a black player, or don't mind the 100% rise in reported racist and homophobic chanting in the Russian league matches this season, as long as you don't mind any of that, you're right, it's really not a problem. The massive irony of this whole debacle is that very recently Dutch authorities proved beyond what they believe is reasonable doubt that it was in fact a Russian military unit that was responsible for shooting down flight MH157 over eastern Ukraine back in 2014. Here we have some people going absolutely crazy over a tattoo of a gun. But at the same time, 
taking no issue at all with a major football tournament with full support from the English FA being held in a nation that appears to shoot down passenger aircraft. But you know, at least Vladimir Putin doesn't have any dodgy tattoos, eh? That we know of. <clears throat> anyway, we've got slightly off track already. For this World Cup special, we've been challenged to find 10 vital facts and stats that you need to know about Russia ahead of the 2018 World Cup. So here's the first three from our Russian Fact Top 10. Hello, UK. This Russia propaganda radio. I tell you all you need to know for World Cup in Mother Russia. We Russians are so cold because of our fast-paced lifestyle. Don't worry, I take it slow for you foreign idiots. We used to be named the USSR. Not because we were communists, but because we love great songs from our Beatles comrades. Russia's number one export is Iron Curtains, famous for ability to block out all light oxygen and opposing political opinion. Now, back to our detailed analysis of Mother Russia, our glorious football team and hosting of the 2018 Hooligan Championship. I mean World Cup. As any good Brit knows, you can get away with a trip to most foreign countries by just learning the local lingo for two beers and then just supplementing that with some pointing and shouting every now and again. But what if you really want to fit in this summer? Football is the language of the world, and to help anyone visiting Russia for the World Cup to offer up some bilingual football chat, we've got the author of new book, Do You Speak Football?, on the phone, Tom Williams. Hello. So, Tom, your book's all about some of the weird and wonderful phrases used in football around the world. This summer, all eyes are on Russia. Are there any unusual or special phrases that we need to be looking out for? Uh, there's a Russian one I, I quite like, uh, derevo, which means tree. A player will be described as a tree if he's a big lumbering player, typically a big centre-back. Um, they'd, be, they'd be compared to a tree. Or Maro Fellaini. Um, and he's also got the hair. Um, yeah. you know, if you're looking for someone who looks like a tree, <laughs> he's built like a, a tree trunk and he's got, he's got the hair to match. Uh, another Russian phrase they have uh, for a, a powerful long-distance shot that might be referred to as a pushka strashnaya, which is a, a scary cannon. Wow! Um, I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a cult phrase they have, and uh, a Russian football expression which I think has fallen out of use, but which was popular in, in Soviet times when you had um, a referee who was angering fans of the club with his decisions, they would chant Sujuna Milo, which translates as rat on soap. And, and this was a reference to an old Soviet practice of culling stray dogs and using the, the fat to make soap and cosmetic products. Wow. Uh, so the, the joke, that the hilarious and in no way absolutely terrifying and macabre joke was that if you're a hopeless referee um, officiating in the Soviet top league, you'd be better off being melted down and turned into soap. Wow. If you weren't worried about travelling to Russia as a referee before, you will be now. Tom, good luck with the book. Do You Speak Football is out now. And cheers for chatting on the left side. Thanks very much. Cheers. But it's not just the referees who need to worry about their summer holiday either. Football fans need to be watching their backs as well. 
With some Russian hotels raising prices by 18,000% ahead of the tournament, that's the equivalent of the IBIS, nearest Wembley Stadium charging £1.4 million for an overnight stay when England are at home, by the way. Some people are going to be looking for slightly cheaper accommodation, or at least accommodation that doesn't involve them remortgaging their house, selling a kidney, and trying some ridiculous long-odd bets, like England getting beyond the last 16. But if you're planning on avoiding the costs and just roughing it at the airport, you might need to think twice after Russia introduced laws forbidding sleeping or being deemed smelly in airports. Stephen Nolan on BBC Radio 5 Live looked into the new legislation. This is the Moscow Region Parliament passing a law saying if you're in one of our big airports you've really got to toe the line so no uh, dozing in Domodedovo and um, certainly not being scruffy in Cherimechevo. Scruffy in Cherimechninov. Sounds like it should be the title of a new Morrissey album. Anyway, Mr Nolan had a very good question to ask about the new rules. How are they going to prosecute for odour? Is this smelly people? Yes, you're going to have airport police becoming style police and, and indeed fragrance police going around um, sniffing people. Effectively, people can't be either wearing odour-laden or stained. Odour-laden? Isn't that the German national dress? You know, those leather shorts things. It's just a clever way to stop the Mannschaft winning the tournament. Cunning. I don't agree with all of Russia's laws, but I have to say, smell police on public transport, it's probably something I can get on board with. Finally, there could be a way to deal with that bloke who insists on eating smoked mackerel every morning during my commute. In fact, let's get this introduced into the workplace as well. At last, a way to deal with Mark from IT and his smelly breath. No more awkwardness of repeatedly offering Wrigley's extra or juicy fruit. And instead, just make an anonymous call to Crime Stoppers and watch in delight as armed police burst through the door, slam his head into the photocopier and nick him for being a stinker. Right, let's get back to business with more 100% true, 100% factual, essential World Cup Russian facts. The most popular building in Russia is the Kremlin, headquarters of the Secret Service and the inspiration for popular Hollywood movie, Kremlins. Russia attempted to capitalize on this popularity with a follow-up building, Kremlin 2, a new batch. But it was not so good. The national animal of Russia is Russian hamster. You English have half-time orange, we have Russian hamster. Cook in vodka. Russia is largest country in the world. It's 17 million square kilometers, could house 68 of your Great Britons, 154,000 Disney worlds, or around nine Diego Maradonas. I make joke about fat man, but he no Russian, so it's okay. Next up, we're going to be turning our fact-finding back towards football with football journalist Richard Foster. His new book, World Cup Nuggets, is full of facts and full of stats from the world's favourite footy tournament. And I love a good stat, Richard, and I'm assuming, having written this book, you have a similar passion. Yep, you could call me a super geek. Oh, I lovely. just love <laughs> a fact, and the more idiosyncratic, the better. You've got a book absolutely chocker full of facts and stats, but do you have one favourite of all? 
the one that really struck me, because it was actually from the first World Cup way back in 1930, is that there was a chap called Hector Castro who played for Uruguay in the final, and he only had one arm. Wow. And he is the only one-armed player to play in a World Cup final. I'm in already on this one. So, did you have a favourite World Cup? Before you set off on this voyage of discovery to research and write this book, did you have a favourite World Cup before? And then when you'd written the book, did that change your opinion? And you went, suddenly this, because of the unusual stats and facts I've uncovered, this is now my favourite tournament. That's a very, very good question. In terms of what I found in the research that became my favourite World Cup, do you know what, 1930 is still, you know, we've got Hector Castro, the one-armed man. Did you also know that during the final, they couldn't decide which ball to use? So the Argentinians wanted to use their ball. Right. But the Uruguayans insisted on using their ball. So the referee decided, okay, we'll play one half with the Argentinian ball, which was the first half, and the Argentinians were 2-1 up. They then switched it to the Uruguayan ball, and lo and behold, Uruguay came out 4-2 winners. Wow. And there is a rumour that that was the original source of a game of two halves, the expression there. Wow! I can imagine you're absolutely amazing at pub quizzes now, Richard, because you've got all these stats floating around in your head. So I want to delve a little bit deeper inside to that brain, because all eyes are on Russia this summer, of course. This show is a very special show of On the Left Side. It's all about Russia ahead of the World Cup and their history. A checkered history, you might call the Russians' World Cup past, I guess. So... Did you find any juicy nuggets on Russia or the Soviets during your research? You know, they started off, their first World Cup was 1958, and guess who they played in their first game? Yes, it was England. But in that group, they eventually ended up on the same points as England. And in those days, goal difference, I don't think they'd even thought of goal difference. So they went to a playoff. Wow. And Russia, uh, sorry, Soviet Union, as they were then, beat England 1-0 and went through to the quarterfinals. So actually, when you look at their record, between 1958 and 1986, they did incredibly well. They got two second rounds, they got three quarterfinals, and obviously they reached the semi-final in 1966 when it was in England. Not bad at all. Um, which is pretty good. But then you look at the dissolution of the Soviet Union around 1990, and this is the mark, between 1990 and 2018, they haven't got out of their first round on four occasions, and they haven't qualified three times. So they suddenly have gone a little bit pear-shaped. Um, maybe they should bring back the Soviet Union. No, we can't do that. Um, we won't want to rewrite history. And the last time they won a game, 2002. What do you think their chances are in this World Cup coming up? I mean, they're the home nation. Traditionally, you get the odds South Koreas that do well when they're playing on their own turf. The only host nation to never get through to a second round, just to get a fact in here. Do you remember, the, do you remember who they were? Would it have been USA, was it then? A bit more recent, 2010, South Africa. Ah, wow. So you're backing Russians to at least get to the knockouts? In a word, no. (laughs) They're just about to get rid of their coach, aren't they? Did I read that? Really? Not a great idea just 10 days before the tournament (laughs) starts. It doesn't shout stability, does it? Um, (laughs) 
to be frank with you, Jim, I don't think they're going to get very far and they may emulate South Africa in not getting into the second round. I'll be avoiding a £5 punt on their heading of the tournament then, Richard. (laughs) Yeah, I'd steer clear of that one if I were you. Spend the money on your new book instead, so good luck with it. you know, it's a bargain at £8.99. You're going to get a lot more value than putting a fiver on Russia. (laughs) Richard, good luck with the book. Hope it goes really well. Uh, You've proved yourself to earn the Super Geek title, so well done with that as well, and thank you very much for your time on On The Left Side. Lovely. Cheers, Jim. I'm not sure I'd put anything past Russia in their quest for glory this summer. In the last few weeks, they've even put a football into space in a bid to outdo their fellow World Cup hosts. Russian TV has been broadcasting footage of Russian cosmonauts on the International Space Station kicking about the official World Cup ball whilst circling the Earth in orbit. A place with absolutely no atmosphere. So, in that respect, a little bit like the Etihad Stadium. It's a very flashy bit of PR, but it does seem ultimately a bit pointless, doesn't it? Firstly, why bother? Surely, there's more important things for scientists up in space to be doing than kicking a ball about. Secondly, why even bother taking a ball up there in the first place? I'm sure Chris Waddle's Italian 90 penalty is still floating around up there somewhere. Would you want to be Chris Waddle now, or even Stuart Pearce? Bit. So let's finish our educational and informative Russian special edition of On the Left Side with our final four Russian facts. St. Petersburg is named after St. Peter Andre. Every July 7th, we have festival of six-pack and find mysterious girl to sacrifice for him. In 1980s, Chernobyl disaster flooded modern Russia with high levels of radiation. Was no accident. It big experiment to make real life Spider-Man. Russia has millions of spiders, but even with radiation and biting, no spidey sense or cute red bodysuit to climb walls in, it proved that Marvel comics are just more Western capitalist bullshit propaganda. We Russians enjoy pickling everything to preserve it. Cucumber, beetroot, former communist leaders and family members. You want to see my grandmother. Before we give you our number one essential fact ahead of the World Cup in Russia, thank you to Tactics FC for inviting us to do this podcast. We're almost done, but make sure you listen to all the other countries' guides in the Tactics FC Podcast World Cup. You can find them all via their Twitter account, at Tactics FC. If this is your first time listening to On The Left Side, then head over to ontheleftside.co.uk and you can find all the links you need to either listen to the back catalogue or subscribe to the podcast so you get our twice-weekly football funny show whenever we release one. And that will be during this summer's World Cup Finals when we'll be rounding up all the funny stories from all the action in Russia. We will see you then, but your final top 10 fact that you need to know about Russia in time for the World Cup is... All Russia is proud of Vladimir Putin. He is emperor of Russia. He enjoys judo, bareback horse riding, invading neighboring countries, and filming presidential candidates enjoying water sports. He also write all facts for me to read. I hope I did good job.
so my family get extra shift in uranium mine. Dos vidania. That's it from on the left side. Score of Yendencia. On the left side is written and produced by enemies of the state, Ant McGinley and Jim Salveson. When we find them, we lock them in Gulag. <laughs>